G'day sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Uh, coming at you on Tuesday evening, palmy night at the local interrupted the programming a little bit. Was planning on recording this in the afternoon, but I'm here regardless and I've got plenty of basketball stuff on my mind. Some bits and pieces to talk about. I'm going to go through the MVP ladder, dropped the SBF NBA MVP ladder 1.0 edition. I'll probably do six, seven, maybe eight throughout the entire season. Just checking in with the MVP race. Plenty of NFL stuff to talk about as well. We've pretty much lapped over to the second half of the NFL season. The playoff picture's starting to take shape. There's some teams that recorded some pretty significant dubs on the weekend as well. So we're going to discuss a little bit of that. And I want to talk a little bit about Steve Kerr as well, because I think that bloke is one of the greatest basketball minds that we have in the current NBA. And some of the things that he's been saying lately have really resonated with me. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Here we go. Let's lead off with the MVP race. I mean, we're, call it 10 games into the NBA season. I know there's some teams that may have played fewer than 10 games, but This really is a very early snapshot of basketball. Three weeks into the NBA season, there's been plenty of popular storylines, a lot of which I'm going to unpack with J-Lo on our big pod later in the week. But we have an idea of who's right at the top of the pecking order for this award, right? We know that Giannis is going to be squarely in the mix for the MVP. We know that Luka Doncic is putting up some pretty un-fucking-believable numbers right now. And to be honest... I think there's a bit of daylight and a bit of a gap between those two. And I'll be very interested over the course of the season to see if those two do distance themselves from the field and make themselves clearly known as the top two candidates. But there's a lot of other blokes out there. Again, we're 10 games in, call it 12% through the NBA season, maybe a little bit more, but I digress. I think that there's going to be a lot of contenders and superstars and stars of the league, depending a little bit on their team record, that'll be squarely in the mix to take out the league's highest honor. So I'll throw the link to the article that I dropped in the show notes for this episode, but I did put Giannis at number one. I think the difference that he's making on the offensive and defensive side of the ball is pretty astronomical. Clearly we've known that he's one of the most dominant players in the league, if not the most dominant. And I think after watching him early on and probably a little bit in the back half of last year, Giannis is now the best player on the planet and he's playing like it. The Bucks suffered their first loss today to the Atlanta Hawks of the season. They're still sitting at nine and one best record in the league. And I don't think a lot of that's going to change. They boast the depth. They've got a healthy Drew holiday and they've done all this without Chris Middleton, which is pretty unbelievable. So I do think that Giannis deserves to be sitting in pole position at the moment. And Luca's not too far behind him. He's averaging a 36, eight and eight line, something that no one in the history of the NBA has ever done before, which is, Pretty crazy from a statistical standpoint. Try to say that 10 times real fast. But the Mavs aren't winning a ton of games. I still think that they can cement themselves as a top six team in the Western Conference. And especially over the last next 70, call it, games. They could make a couple of minor tweaks here or there. Christian Wood's probably been underperforming in my eyes. I think before too long, he'll be starting for Dallas and he'll be thriving as a pick and roll partner with Luca. But regardless of what the rest of the Mavericks are doing right now, Luca is doing a lot of the heavy lifting and he's looking pretty unbelievable doing it. So again, like I said, a bit of a gap between those two. 
I put Donovan Mitchell at number three. It might be a little bit of Cavs bias, and there's a lot of NBA uh, MVP rankings that I've seen that have different players higher. Donovan may be a little bit lower than some of the other league stars, but I think if he keeps playing like this and Cleveland keeps winning, he is the catalyst for a lot of their success so far, especially with Darius Garland in and out of the lineup. They've got plenty of talented dudes on their team. So I do think that Donovan Mitchell can keep himself in the mix. I've also got a lot of the other league stars, the likes of Steph Curry, who has been excelling from an individual standpoint, but his team hasn't been winning a ton. Jason Tatum falls into that category as well. He's been doing great. And Boston has, they've dropped a pair of games to the Cavs, but they're still winning a lot. Devin Booker and the Suns, they're proving me and a lot of people wrong by getting off to a ripper start as well. And Ja Morant, we know that he's a nightly highlight machine. So I do think that those guys I mentioned, maybe throw in the likes of Pascal Siakam if he's healthy. I do think Toronto has the talent to be a top four seed in the East. Again, we'll have to wait and see how the season unfolds. But guys like Kevin Durant, uh, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray even is probably a bit ahead of Trey in that MVP race. Shout out to Shea Gilgis-Alexander as well. He started the first 10 or so games in ripper form. And I do think that he's proving to the OKC Thunder just how good he can be and why they probably shouldn't entertain any trade offers for him. But I do think that the NBA MVP race will take a lot of time to unfold. I haven't even mentioned Nikola Jokic, who is averaging close to a triple-double, shooting over 60% from the field and looking goddamn impressive doing it. The back-to-back MVP winner. I do think that the narrative will play into it a little bit and he probably won't be in line to win a third straight MVP award, but that doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't deserve to be in the mix. There's no sixes that I've mentioned either. I think they're going to right their wrongs and keep ascending up the Eastern standings. So we'll have to check in maybe around the 20 game mark with the rest of the league and see just how the MVP race is unfolding. Then a couple of other guys that I had in the article who haven't got too much of a mention yet. Kevin Durant, I know that I briefly mentioned him. He's excelling individually, much like Steph Curry, but Brooklyn has plenty of issues. I do wonder if Kevin Durant will request a trade. Should Kyrie Irving continue to be a fuckstick and get released by the Nets? That'll be a story to monitor and watch. And there are a couple of other league stars who are in the mix, but not really getting it done. Shout out to Laurie Markkinen for his hot start. But I think it's very clear. We have Giannis and Luca. The order may differ in some people's opinion, but then there's quite a bit of a drop-off between the rest of the field. So maybe 10 games from now, something will happen. Another star will go on a 10-game winning streak or win eight of two. Maybe the Clippers, maybe Paul George will throw himself in the mix. Who knows? But I do think through the early portion of the season, we've got a very clear picture of how the MVP race is unfolding. And naturally, as it does every year, it'll have its ups and downs and tops and turns. But I do think that Luca and Giannis are primed to make a run at the MVP. Dallas's, uh, Dallas Mavericks record might hurt them. And the Bucks record, on the other hand, might enhance Giannis's case. But The only thing that we'll be able to tell uh, how this unfolds is a little bit of time. Like I said at the lead off, week nine of NFL action is in the books. And there were some very interesting results that I don't want to say changed the landscape a little bit, but it definitely helped me identify some of the teams that I believe in and some of the ones that I do not. The playoff picture is definitely taking shape. And I know that in each conference, we've got almost seven to eight teams that I think we can safely bank on being in the postseason. When you turn your attention to the AFC, the Buffalo Bills are the number one seed upset. And I want to say upset by the New York Jets, who are the first wild card at the moment at six and three. They're turning a lot of heads. And it's a shame that Zach Wilson's playing so shit because 
honestly, they could be doing much better. Six and three for a New York Jets fan is very foreign territory. And I don't think it says a lot about the Buffalo Bills. I think the Jets would have rolled into this game treating it like their pseudo Super Bowl and Buffalo are just trying to get through unscathed. If they can get the one seed, which I think they will, fantastic. If not, then they'll just try and run through whoever's in their way. As long as it's not the Kansas City Chiefs who are sitting second, tied with the Bills at six and two. Both teams have obviously had their bye, so they can now kind of focus their attention towards the second half of the season. The Bills do have the tie break over the Kansas City Chiefs right now based on their win earlier in the season. But I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them meet up in the playoffs again and we got another fantastic showdown. There's a couple of other teams who in the AFC, I'm not really sold on as contenders. I really do think that the Bills and the Chiefs are going to be one of those two teams is going to be the representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl. But the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans are both winning their division right now. They've each had their own issues throughout the start of the year, but they're spearheaded by some fantastic superstars of the NFL. Obviously, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, who helped Baltimore get a dub on Tuesday, Monday night footy, Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday morning football for Australian fans against the New Orleans Saints. They've improved to six and three. I do think similarly to the Tennessee Titans, they've had bumps in the road, but the Titans have Derek Henry as well, who's shouldering a lot of the offensive work. And those two stars will help them continue to charge through the rest of the regular season. But I have some doubts over whether they can make some noise in the playoffs. I actually believe a little bit more in some of the lesser seeds, someone like the Miami Dolphins who have currently sitting at a six and three record. They only just got over the line against the bears on the weekend, but they've been missing tour for a big chunk of the season thus far. And Tyreek Hill looks like he's going to win the receiving crown. So in a shootout style atmosphere, Maybe we could see Miami upset one of those juggernauts in Buffalo or Kansas City. You never know. And I think the spot for the seven seed, I mean, you could put the Bengals in the mix. They trounced the Panthers on the weekend, thanks to Joe Mixon scoring five touchdowns. The eighth highest ever fantasy score by Joe Mixon on the weekend. So unfortunately, uh, some coaches would have been on the receiving end of that, but hopefully listening to this, you're on the positive end. The Chargers and the New England Patriots are the other two teams in the mix. I don't believe in the Colts. They're a bit of a significant gap below the Bengals and just fired their coach this morning. But I do think that that race for the seven seed will be an interesting one to watch for the rest of the season. Turning my attention to the NFC, Philly's yet to lose. They're the cream of the crop at the moment, not just in the NFC, but in the NFL. And they're in the box seat to secure that number one seed. But Minnesota, just quietly, still sitting at 7-1. and one. They've had, similar to some of the other teams I mentioned, haven't done it in convincing fashion. They've had their issues, but Kirk Cousins and his mob out in uh, Minnesota continue to get the job done. So maybe, just maybe, we see the Minnesota Vikings steal a number one seed. I don't know if that's going to happen. I have a lot of faith in Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. They got pretty loaded stars on defense and offense, and I like a lot of what Nick Sirianni's men are doing right now, but don't share, uh, don't count out the Vikings rather. We could see them continue to ascend and hold on to that two spot. Didn't see the Seattle Seahawks sitting in the third spot at the moment though. They continue to win. They beat Arizona in pretty convincing fashion on the weekend. And I do think that they're going to make some noise, maybe not too much in the playoffs, but they're around the mark and they definitely deserve a lot of recognition for what they've done so far. Tampa Bay, they got a crucial W over the Los Angeles Rams this week. I actually stopped watching the game because it was a pretty ugly affair. But as Tom Brady has done time and time again, he marched down the field, 
put the Bucks in scoring position and threw a game-winning touchdown with less than 10 seconds left on the clock. So you never know. It's Tom fucking Brady. Maybe the Bucks will go on a bit of a charge. And as long as they're peaking in late December, early January, that's really all that matters. The Dallas Cowboys could fall into that same bucket. They've been missing Dak Prescott for a big chunk of time, but they've got weapons all over the field. So I like what the Cowboys and the Bucks are potentially capable of. After that, though, shout out to the New York Giants for sitting at six and two right now in the sixth seed. But I don't think they're going to do a ton. They do have Houston and Detroit on the slate in the next fortnight. And off their buy round, if they can beat both those teams and sit at eight and two, maybe I'll change my tune. But they're two games they should win. So let's see them win those games before I start singing their praise too much. And then there's a couple of other characters. The 49ers are sitting at the seven spot right now. With Christian McCaffrey in tow, they might be another team that goes on a charge. Atlanta, nah. And then after that, you've got the likes of the Washington Commanders, Los Angeles Rams, and then the rest of the field. So playoff picture is taking shape. I think that I'm fairly safe in saying the top five are all going to make the playoffs now. I know we're only halfway through the season, and that's not exactly hyperbole to announce that. But maybe for the first time in a long time, we have an idea of who the true contenders are and who the playoff teams are with still half the season to go. A couple of NFL fantasy tidbits. I'm going to release my waiver wire Wednesday pickups early tomorrow morning, but if you need a quarterback, go ahead and stash Deshaun Watson. I know the Cleveland Browns quarterback isn't due back until week 13, but he could be someone that turns into a playoff game changer and Odell Beckham falls a little bit into the same boat. He's been linked with Green Bay. He's been linked with Dallas. Maybe we'll see him sign with another contender, but he could be someone that in the back half of your playoffs, you know, that week 15, 16 mix, we see him score a couple of touchdowns and go on a bit of an offensive splurge. And that might just be the match winning formula for your fantasy side. Last little bit to close out. I want to talk, like I said at the lead off about Steve Kerr. I've clearly identified why Steph Curry needs a little bit more help but I saw a Steve Kerr quote talking about the fact that a couple of years ago, they were below 500 a couple of months out from the playoffs and they went on a charge and won the chip. We do tend to overreact a lot to recent things that we've seen and the Golden State Warriors haven't been great. They're four and seven. And the only reason they're four and seven instead of three and eight is the fact that Steph scored 47 against Sacramento, hit seven threes, looked like the impossible Steph Curry that we all know and love. But let's pump the fucking brakes, all right? We're early November. There's still 65, 70 games left in the NBA season. So we may still see the Warriors right their wrongs. And I believe that they will. I think that they're going to be, if not the best team in the West, and maybe not a number one seed, but I still think that they're the ones we should be worried about the most. Steve Kerr also mentioned that in an ideal scenario, you'll have a 65-game NBA schedule. And it got me thinking a little bit about what the perfect number in the NBA schedule is. And I think 65 is a pretty good number to sit on. You know, it it wipes out 17 games, which is call it a sixth of the NBA season, maybe a fifth. I'm not really operating at the highest plane maths, right, uh, maths wise right now, but that's a lot of the season to cut out. But 65 games does give you enough of a sample size to see which teams are at the top of the pecking order. It sets the scene for the playoffs, keep the play-in games and all that, maybe introduce a mid-season tournament or something else 65 games is really what we see a lot of the NBA's greats play now. You know, gone are the days of a player playing 82 games year in, year out. Kawhi Leonard, the godfather of load management, he's been in and out of the Clippers lineup already. James Harden's injured and going to miss a big chunk of time. So there are a lot of games squeezed into, you know, it is a lengthy period of time. 
But I would kind of like to see the NBA shorten the season. Maybe it's a number closer to 70. Maybe it's 72. I don't have the perfect answer, but it got me thinking that 65 or around that mark does make it a lot easier for the scheduling. It does give players a little bit more time to rest. You probably see more of the league superstars playing on a more frequent basis. So one thing to watch along with the expansion of the NBA is whether they do entertain the idea of shortening the season. Just some food for thought. And that's it. Quick fire pod. Like I said, JLo will be back later in the week. And I've got a couple of things on the agenda. We'll do a big lap around the NBA talking about some of the popular storylines, tease a little bit of footy stuff. I'm working on an article that looks at every AFL team's draft needs. The draft is coming up at the end of November. So there's a couple of cool things to talk about in the lead off to that, but you'll have to catch that episode later in the week. Thanks for tuning into this one. As always, muchly appreciated and I'll see you next time.